0: How you doing? <laughs> I not am
1: alright. not sure how to go about answering that question. How yeah. are you?
0: Yeah, me. I don't know either. I'm yeah. fine. You know what, Dan? I was thinking about this because as as we are kind of speaking, Jeff Bezos has blasted off into space. <laughs> um, has he really? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think I got some kind of notification on my phone that mm. was like Bezos in space or some bullshit like that. I have a bit of an unpopular take, I think, uh-huh. in that um who's the guy who did it last week the Uh, other billy bronson this is a this isn't a worrying trend (laughs) (laughs) um yeah branson he's a prick they're all pricks obviously they all suck it's not like they're smart people they've all exploited people to get their money duh obviously having said that i'll be honest i was all ready to be really angry about the whole thing and then i saw the video of like the plane dropping from the other plane. And bla- it was pretty cool. Was cool. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, my yeah, unpopular yeah, take is that it's pretty
1: cool. Okay, It's yeah, really yeah, yeah, sick. Yeah, yeah. I haven't actually watched that video yet. And, it's cool. Um, it's the kind of thing that I try and avoid because I will get too into it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, there is a whole like subset of, I mean, there's a subset of YouTube videos devoted to every possible thing entirely. But like, uh. I'm liable to stray into the kind of like Elon Musk fanboy <laughs> oh, yeah. um, a uh, portion of YouTube from time yeah. to time. Oh, God. Um, people who call Elon by his first name. name—the <laughs> <laughs> m- One of is well up there with the most cringeworthy things that yeah. Elon could do. <laughs> it's because we're friends. Exactly. It's a, I would say something about a parasocial exactly.
0: relationship. I, but except yeah, we love yeah, our yeah, listeners. Yeah, we yeah. are your friends. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's difficult because it's like... I kind of imagine a person who i would find it more difficult to imagine having friends (laughs) than elon musk no
0: kidding
1: (laughs) Um, he's doing his best yeah i suppose he's trying he's trying
0: (laughs) there's a photos of him coming out recently he really he's got he's taking a bit of a trump turn like just in his general body shape and demeanor it's very (laughs) it's unnerving it's very unnerving i don't know what the deal is morphing into, morphing into trump um Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know how Bezos is getting into space if he was using a rocket, but if he's using
1: a plane, the plane one's cool. Presumably a rocket. The space plane thing Mm. is cool. Yeah. I don't know whether, like... I don't know whether it actually... There is some debate as to, like, where space starts and whether, like, this plane actually goes to space. (laughs) Um, But it looks pretty cool. It looks pretty cool. And also it's like... I mean, it looks very cool dropping off the bi- the, bi- the, big- the the small big plane, plane, dropping <laughs> yeah. off the big plane, and <laughs> shooting up we into space. Up that, like. And also, it's just kind of like it's very sci-fi. Oh, exactly. And like I like this is the, maybe this is the bit, the thing that's most difficult <laughs> to um, decide whether I'm okay with mm. is how clearly these people are inspired by sci-fi. Yeah. And
0: yeah, shitty sci-fi yeah cringe sci-fi maybe like elon's favorite favorite books are like the um heinlein books the libertarian books oh it's right yeah like, oh. Like
1: starship troopers and
0: yeah yeah, I yeah, is, yeah the one about the moon just like oh okay. we blame yeah, pop culture of,
1: yeah i wasn't thinking about like um fiction writing so much as tv shows so. oh, yeah, sure, there's yeah. something very like expanse-esque about <laughs> that um that that virgin rocket yeah. or virgin space plane or whatever it is mm. Anyway,
0: yeah. Anyway, what's the end goal? Is it just to do space tourism, or is it to take over like the process of bringing things to space, privatize it? I mean, that's that's already happened, but like, like what what are the what's the Bezos? End yeah, what is
1: the goal? Yeah, it's a little sus. I don't know whether it isn't just like monopolize a thing and then work out what you're going to do with it afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> whether it's, I mean, I guess the, I guess the immediate <laughs> the immediate term is.
0: The market works. I guess the
1: immediate term is like for, for fulfilling contracts with NASA or with other like space agencies, mm. or putting up satellites.
0: Sure. Oh, sure. Yeah.
1: Um, and then I guess some of them have um, ancillary or supplementary ideas for how they're going to make profit from these things. Yeah. Thinking of like Elon Musk, Starlink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, supplying internet to people through 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 the moon through the satellites. <laughs> And I guess the eventual goal may well be some amount of like asteroid mining, although they don't seem to be. They don't seem to be. There are companies that are um, specializing in asteroid mining in a way that Mm. those big three, I suppose, if Virgin Galactic counts as one of the the, the bigger. um, The big players. It's definitely the
0: smallest, I feel like. The weakest. Coolest plane, though.
1: Yeah. Is, it, is um, there
0: much it, asteroid mining? Does that make sense at all? Because it sounds cool, but it's also like how many resources are you using to get to the asteroid? And then what are you bringing back? I don't know. Yeah, it I don't sense? know.
1: Somebody ask Aaron Bastani, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. um, hey, come on the pod. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't yeah, listen yeah. to our time I don't know. I guess, I'm... <laughs> um, I guess I'm willing to assert that it's plausible in the medium to long term. Yeah, why not. And... I guess it's the kind of thing you probably want to monopolize.
0: I'd imagine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, everybody wants
1: to monopolize. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, uh, the, uh, the the parasite cast of space capitalists. <laughs> you almost had your Elon uh,
0: phase show. Yeah. Everyone wants to monopolize on asteroid mining. Elon's just doing the best job.
1: <laughs> yep. You would if you could, folks. Yeah, you, you would, would if you could. could
0: you lazy bastards. Yeah. <laughs> um, Speaking okay. of actual useful things, Dan, mm. how many goddamn potatoes did we dig up this you, week? We, am uh, I right, it's quite a, lot, of quite a it's quite lot a lot of potatoes. Too many, even. Mm. Um, uh, potato update: there was blight at the allotment. Uh, everybody's got blight I was walking around today. It's just like all the tomatoes are dying. Mm. All the potatoes have died. Mm. And I was talking with someone there today and they were just like, yeah, that's why you don't grow outdoor tomatoes at an allotment and you don't grow potatoes at the allotment unless they're like first early, second early. Because one person's going to get blight and yeah. then it's just going to spread.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, I've only realized through this experience that it seems to be kind of a truism that it will just happen. Yeah. Like yeah. you don't grow main crop.
0: Yeah. Don't grow main crop. Grow first or early, second or early. we mm. just do what we did. Grow main crop. But then as soon as you see signs of, like, panic and dig them all out <laughs> <up. laughs>
1: It's worked out fine anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's worked out fine. A lot
0: of potatoes curing upstairs. A lot of potatoes. Yeah. I've upstairs. only had them drying for a couple days or curing or whatever. And I think, I, I think they're fine. I looked it up and it was, like, two weeks. But eh, uh-huh. I'm impatient to store them, I guess. They're just everywhere. They're on every surface. And it's just like, I want to be done with this. What are you going to do? So that's your this, potato update. This is
1: this is, this is the life you chosen for yourself, Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <I> wake <laughs> up and potatoes just all over me. Um, um, yeah, nice. I ate all of my broad beans and then put the plants in the compost. So nice. That cycle is ended, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I ate my last broad beans today for lunch. It was very good, although yeah, they were a little mealy. Cause they
1: were mm, a little, like, got a bit, got a bit chewy. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's this sad. is the problem. You really need to just harvest things in one go. And...
0: Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't paying attention. 'Cause by the time I noticed that there were actual beans on the broad bean, it was like, oh, now you only have a couple of weeks. So there's a broad bean update. Yeah. <laughs> last one. <laughs> the last one until we get to the September and we <laughs> yeah, plant some exactly. more. Exactly. I'll be Which like, what am I gonna do? <laughs> yeah, oh my god, yeah. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what else what to plant and where the potatoes were. I don't know. I have no idea. Hmm. I looked it up and it was just like that's stuff I don't really want. So yeah. I don't know. Might just leave it. Mix yeah. with some compost, leave it for next week or a year, whatever. All right uh let's get into it i guess dan what did we returning author uh hal draper
1: yeah yes yeah what was it (laughs) called um the 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 concept of the 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 dictatorship dictatorship of the proletariat in marks and angles marks and angles yeah yeah we we started this run of uh Uh, hmm, 10 or nine podcast episodes with the hal draper essay and we've I Suppose ended on one, yeah. Um, we promise we will try and diversify our uh, podcast output. <laughs> yes, we'll never be reading future. anarchists. We've done, <laughs> 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 We've done quite a lot of like uh heavy Marxian, mm. Marxology, yeah. I suppose. Uh, Marx
0: Marxian Marxology,
1: Marxian Marxology, uh, lots of economics and lots of marxist theory and we are continuing today i suppose (laughs) yes we don't like it partly motivated by um the reference to the dictatorship of the proletariat in the reading that we did last week when we were talking about the our final section of the fundamental principles of communist production and distribution partly because it's a term that crops up a lot of the time and uh, we're not particularly familiar with, mm. partly because we needed something to read. Yeah, yeah. And it was relatively Google, short. <laughs> Google essay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dictatorship of proletariat, no more um, than 10 pages. <laughs> but it was not a disappointment. No, absolutely not. not a disappointment. It's Once great. again, um, Hal Draper, an excellent writer and uh, mm. um, a a seemingly, I mean, we don't have very much to go on, seemingly an excellent Marx scholar. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because it's a term that gets bandied about a lot, the dictatorship of the proletariat. Um, And it's also a term that seems to mean everything, but also just nothing. Like it means nothing to so many people. Um, And it's something that I've noticed that a lot of people who have been like maybe almost wooed by Marxism whatever that means, you know, or like socialism have come across it and then have done just fallen for the bullshit about like, well, I don't know, man, that sounds like fascism to me, you know, because it has the word dictatorship in it.
1: So it means fascism I at mean, the same time. It's like... unfortunate that there have been and continue to be <laughs> m- several slash many over history in scare quotes boxes <laughs> regimes that – yes. Uh, were i think inarguably <laughs> yeah. various forms of dictatorship as yes. you would um describe them in modern parlance or the modern interpretation of what that word means yeah a great a huge amount of this essay is devoted to uh putting that word into its historical context and mm. tell us what it meant or what it didn't mean or its general lack of meaning but yes i guess in a in a modern contemporary context um dictatorship isn't a particularly uh. yeah it's a bit <laughs> of a bugaboo isn't it and not um uh not something that one would like to have to openly advocate for yeah um in the pub yeah or, yeah or so like, maybe
0: yeah i don't know maybe we just we phrase this by saying like we're we're gonna talk about like At least I'll say why I think Marx was right to use that phrase and why I understand what he means and why I think it's a good thing and it's cool and it's fun and it's great. Um, But don't, 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 maybe don't go around to your friends trying to introduce them, the people that you work with, and start off with the dictatorship of the proletariat. Maybe eschew that phrase altogether. Um, So, I mean, I don't know what purpose this episode is going to have beyond just, I think, like, elucidating uh, theory maybe of a transition and the like vocabulary that goes along with it um but that is to basically just say you can explain this whole essay to people and they'll still be like you know you sound like a nerd You're yeah. i around talking about like no, oh no
1: because like the dictatorship yeah. doesn't mean yeah. that
0: like yeah.
1: yeah uh yeah i think there is um maybe we'll come on to this maybe we won't i think there is a degree to which reading this essay does elaborate some general uh political or political theory questions, considerations mm. that are worth incorporating into um, our present thinking. And also, there's a certain amount of sort of strategic thinking as well, which is just how, what best language to use in what circumstances and um, how to propagate ideas, I suppose. Mm. Uh, yeah,
0: no, totally. Just in the story of the phrase. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: But I think, I mean, if, if there's a general, if it, if this essay comes down in, in a particular place, it's that um, the phrase dictatorship of the proletariat isn't particularly important to a full and fundamental understanding of Marxism. And mm. one could quite easily describe a Marxist politics or a communist politics without reference to dictatorship mm. or the dictatorship of the proletariat. Yeah. Um, Hal Draper's conjecture is that it has no particularly specific meaning for marks and angles.
0: Yeah. I mean, it just in, you could just see that in the like years and years and years in which that phrase never came up in their writing at all. Yeah. And then they would mention it once to kind of like be like, okay, you know, here's kind of what we meant or let's like, because everybody uh, rightfully so reads a critique of the Gotha program. And that's like one of the bits that stands out like a bit of a sore thumb. If you don't really understand what he's saying, it's like they'll mention it then and then not talk about it at all. Then Louis Blanc will goddamn show up again. And they Ugh. have to be like, all right, here we are. let oh, okay. about this again. And they get confused on Louis Blanc and August Blanqui <laughs> I'm confused. On I, Louis just, Blanc, I just, I just got it wrong. <laughs> I just got it wrong. God damn it. I meant August Blankey. God damn it. Um, but yeah, suffice it to say that you're absolutely right. Like, you you don't have to uh, pull on this string um, and kind of, like, confuse things by using this phrase. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's important to understand what it actually means because otherwise you're just going to get people confusing it. Yeah, and
1: someone might <laughs> confront you with it one day. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Mm. What do you think about that? I guess just getting into it, it's interesting to see kind of, like, where Draper starts with. And he basically starts with, like, the etymology of the word dictator. Because, like... At the time, Marx and Engels were writing meant again kind of everything and nothing. But like now, post World War II, obviously it has a much more hardened meaning. The phrase um, "dictator," "dictatorship," um, and so he brings it all the way back to like ancient Rome, right? Which like again, I kind of roll my eyes whenever anybody talks about that. But he <laughs> he, he he just he makes the really good point in that like it was an actual like it was an office it wasn't elected or anything, obviously. But like it was a constitutional office for like the god dang you know carthaginians or the sam knights or whoever are gonna they're gosh dang invading again we need someone to just deal with everything and not worry about the like bureaucratic like you know are we following the letter of the law we'll just give power to this guy unconditionally for like x amount of time they'll deal with the problem and it'll go away and then that was the dictator And now we have you know uh, a republic again everything's fair um <laughs> So yeah, I mean, it's interesting just to see that that's where the phrase begins. That's where the phrase kind of comes from is that it isn't just, you know, like a Mussolini or somebody like that. Um, Again, in a lot of periods of Roman history, you would see people act like that and act in a very, you know, they'd be a dictator and then just not give power back. And so it didn't exactly work. But I think his point isn't that. His point is just that, uh, look at this, it means something different than you think. Yeah. So you're wrong. Yeah, his
1: point, he says that it, it, it means this very specific thing up until Caesar, and then he kind of like yeah. puts a kibosh on the whole Which thing.
0: Which is fake news. It was up until Sulla, but we can talk about that later.
1: Um, after the podcast. After the podcast, Jack, not now. <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd be quite inclined to say that it was something very central to the... Uh, roman republic's political constitution Mm. it fulfilled a very specific function maybe it was even like central to maintaining um its political regime but perhaps even also it's like mode of production in some respects as well i don't know um but yeah it's, it's it's basically a state of exception right it's when we have to step outside of the maybe some particular legal bounds but um the power that's gifted to somebody as a dictator is time limited mm. and also what they're able to do with it is uh politically constrained kind of thing they're not allowed to write certain they're not allowed to like rewrite laws mm. or they're not allowed to um i don't know decree certain things or change certain constitutional aspects or what have you um it's just for crisis times and in some respects it's basically a conservative gesture right it's sure. uh it's a. Uh, how do we maintain the status quo exactly how do we avoid 100%. things changing too much yeah
0: um, they weren't giving it to like a tribune no <laughs> being like fix things no. yeah um and then i don't know i mean the, i don't know that's all very interesting but it is basically just i think draper again is just kind of using it as like an etymological tool of being like this doesn't, this word hasn't always had its modern connotation of the, like, you know, the dictator. And, I mean, like, we even have to look, like, during World War II period, like, this came up when we were, were talking about McNamara or somebody, but it's, like, you know, Hitler was a dictator, but also, like, FDR was a dictator, you know what I mean, by, like, many people in certain classes. Um, so, again, even now it means uh, many different things, but we're still stuck in this limbo of, like, it means everything and nothing. Um, so then I think, basically, Draper just kind of, like, skips forward, right, where he... Goes on to talk. He talks, uh, god, god damn it. He talks about Louis Blanc and he also talks about Auguste Blanqui. <laughs> I know. I'm fine with just talking about August Blanqui so okay. we don't fuck it up. <laughs> Louis Blanc, Louis- short king, we can say that.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, has been set up, which the show is the before. one he several times describes as like a pinko social democrat. That's Louis Blanc. That's Louis Blanc. And yeah. he's, he's operating primarily in the, the February Revolution. In yes. 1848 or yes. whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, August Blanqui. <laughs> French Revolution.
0: N- not the not but, uh, the, the aftermath, But the
1: aftermath of.
0: So he he was the guy we talked One about this Blankists before. Where did the Blanqui come from? <laughs> the, the, he was the guy we talked about this before as like. <laughs> We've talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I fuck it up because I know that like he was the guy who could have helped save things during the commune. But he was either in prison or they just told him to fuck off. Um, but it's also like this makes it seem like the commune and him, were that would have been completely incompatible. So, like, maybe not.
1: Yeah. So, August Blanqui is the guy <laughs> that basically just, like, continues to pop up. Yes. Whenever there's anything going down, he's just somewhere yeah. relatively nearby. Or, yeah. like, like there, there at least needs to be a footnote in every moment in history to tell us what um, August Blanqui is up to because <laughs> he's still around up to something.
0: Yeah. Yeah, um, and Louis Blanc had his moment in the sun. Uh-huh. He was like, the We're going to do uh, the like, give everybody a job thing, right to work kind of thing. And then it was sabotaged. Um, and I think then after that, everyone was like, All right,
1: yeah, okay. whatever. Because okay. I think
0: even socialists kind of turned on him as being like, Look, you fucked this up. But mm. he was like, I, I didn't screw it up. Like these other liberals screwed it but up.
1: Yeah. Sounds a bit wet to me. A bit wet? A bit wet. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, a bit of a like a damp, bit, of pants. bit of a damp squib. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 not squib. <laughs> like a
0: wet blanket. Bit of a wet blanket. <laughs> <All right. Yeah. laughs> What's a squib? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's just from now on we're only talking about august Blanqui. So if we fuck it up, uh-huh. we meant Blanqui. <laughs> <laughs> so this is this is a thing. I didn't know anything really about at all. I knew obviously that like blankeism which to sum it up quickly. I'm sure someone will, you know, not enjoy me saying this. Putschism, basically. It's like a nice form of, like, secret, <laughs> are, there any, are there any, like,
1: Blanquists still out there in the world <laughs> yeah. who are going to contest Listen, this? I don't want to get on the wrong side of the Blanquists,
0: <laughs> all right? They're, they're operating in secret now. Uh-huh. They're I mean, met I with the Bakuninists. Like
1: all, yeah, all of the Blancists just became the Bakuninists. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Man, Bakunin does might not once, come across once well. again be in a position to offend the Anarchists. <laughs>
0: yes, I know. I was thinking about that because we're going to have to slag. At least that vein of anarchism on this mm. episode. And I was like, how oh, have we been doing this? Well, so it's much the same of
1: vein as anarchism that was slagged off in the first <laughs> okay. yeah, exactly. essay that we read.
0: We've read a chapter of Bookchin's book, all right? That's mm. kind of anarchism stolen valor, but <laughs> we're not trying to be assholes. <laughs> <laughs> You're just liberals. And in this, we come across as fascists. Um, okay. So Blanqui putschism uh, goes on definitely to inspire, if not the person, then the actions of uh, one Lenin and Leninism um, and just the general kind of concept of like, it gets adapted into more of like a party that kind of like acts on its own, a centralized party that kind of like brings, you know, like the working class into power, quote unquote. Um, but back then, Blanqui was basically just like, "eh, just have it be some boys, you know, just like the lads getting together and like yeah, doing whatever." Yeah, it's a like revolution. the original
1: sect, right? Exactly. And they're basically just the uh, sort of elitist conspiracy that we sort of heard about in the first How Draper reading we did on socialism from Above, socialism from below. Yeah. Um, they're just, yeah, the boys, as you say, <laughs> uh, they're going to take over. And they're going to f- sort things and they're out. They're going to do socialism. Yeah, yeah. They're going to do socialism. It's
0: a lot cooler. Than Whether we
1: like... like it or not. <laughs> exactly. We're God getting socialism.
0: It. <laughs> it's a lot cooler than like, was it Robert Owen who we read about in the, it's a lot cooler than a lot of the like British uh, socialists. Yeah. Who, who are maybe sex because it's yeah. like, this is just like. Just
1: the French to come across as like <laughs> <Ugh>. cooler. <laughs> yeah. <Ugh.
0: laughs> it's like this is like an adventure It's, it's
1: that's secretly why I resent the French because they're, they're <laughs> well, just cooler I
0: don't know mm. we'll, we'll, we'll have that conversation later okay um, but yeah Blanquism is a lot this is my personal opinion a lot more fun so it's just like adventurism and I think at one point it gets called adventurism in this because sure. it's like yeah. like you know Bakunin would pop around and be like now he's in like Lyon or something trying to set up a commune and then like now he's like in Germany trying to do this it was just the guys trying to do a revolution and like i don't see how it would ever yeah it's fine good for you but like i don't know
1: people who people who marx and engels would accuse of wanting them to set themselves up as uh, various forms of dictators yeah their own personal revolutionary thiefdoms or yeah. like Proudhon is perhaps the worst yeah, example oh God, of yeah. this Oh,
0: <laughs> Proudhon.
1: but all these people who fancied themselves kings of some sort or other
0: yeah, and you really just see a lack of any kind of, like, theoretical aspect to this kind of thinking, right? Because it's just like, we'll just get into power, we'll use the state that exists, but we'll turn it into, like, a dictatorship and kind of, like, the way that we think about it now mm. as, like, just me and the five guys doing socialism. And it's like, well, you know, where are the what are the imperative structures? What are you doing beyond just forcing people to act? And it's funny, right? Because, like, you see how so many of these people are just inspired by their interpretation of the actual, like, big French Revolution, right? But it's like, I don't know. If you're blanky, it's like, how do you how do you, how, how is that what you're coming away from the French Revolution as? You know, where it's like these wars that the that like the Jacobins and like the actual revolutionaries wound up starting within within France. To say nothing of like the actual wars, like you know, to go on like Napoleon between like the different countries and stuff. But like the wars in the Vendee, and then like all of the different wars with the peasants, where like all of these people died just by trying to do socialism to them. It's like. Maybe not socialism, but like trying to change, you know, the structure and like, I guess, yeah, maybe go from like a monarchy to like a different mode of production Mm -hmm. or whatever. But like, still, how is that what you're coming with? Like, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's do it again. Let's just be neo-jacobins.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are quite a lot of references in this to the dictatorship of Paris. The idea that like Paris was just going to have to go and like short sort out the provinces kind of thing. Um, I'm shaking my head.
0: (laughs) It's like we've talked about getting rid of London. Paris yeah. is also on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It's also on the list.
1: Yeah, I mean, if there is a modern-day dictatorship, like, London does dictate oh, yeah. to this country.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same thing in California. It's like, there's Los Angeles, and there's San Francisco, and there are a couple other bigger cities that are kind of just swallowed up by th- those two cities, but it's like, anything... 20 miles east of the coast it's like your water is being stolen and your lives are being dictated by the people consuming the things that you create cities folks um (laughs) who'd have them yeah who'd have them um all right so maybe we should talk about then not the bad way of using the word dictatorship like a, a point that gets made in this essay is that um I forget exactly who makes it, but it's like Draper kind of makes a point where it's like, okay, you don't want a class dictatorship because that's kind of the distinction to be made, right? It's like, do you want a dictatorship to bring on socialism of like Blanke and his two dudes or whatever? Or do you want like what Marx was saying, which is an actual like class dictatorship. Like you need the class to actually be running things and dictating. Obviously, it's like the working class dictating to what would have been the ruling class. Um, And so like the distinction that gets made is like, Uh, you know, again, between a class dictatorship and, like, a several-person or, like, a party dictatorship or something like that. Um, And a point that gets made is, like, you know, what do you think you're currently living under right now if not a class dictatorship where one class is dictating everything to, like, the working class to the majority of the people to, like, you know, implement its will and to suck off all the surplus value and whatnot. Um, And I thought that was really useful uh, just in terms of, like, (laughs) I don't know. The pretend debates I have with people in my head whenever anyone would actually want to talk about this stuff, or it's like, you know, you're confronted on the phrase dictatorship. It's like, well, what do you think you're living under right now? It is obviously a class dictatorship. And the one that we would hopefully want to bring about would be one where uh, is being made, things are being made better for everybody. And you're going to probably have to force that a little bit because it's, you know, those powerful people aren't just going to be like, all right, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, that was a distinction that I thought was very useful. And it was interesting, there was at one point where Draper talks about, like, some Spanish conservative kind of asshole, um, and giving a speech, I don't know anything about this history, but giving a speech where, like, a dictator, an actual dictator, had just taken power in Spain, and this guy got up and was, like, defending him, and he was like, um... Well, you know, it's either going to be a dictatorship. It's so funny too because he uses the phrase "a dictatorship from above" or "a dictatorship from below." Mm-hmm. He's like, "God damn it, give me the dictatorship yeah. from above—the dictatorship
1: of the saber or dictatorship <laughs> of the dagger—and I yeah. choose the saber because it's nobler." Yeah, it. Oh
0: God, that's that's cringe. No sabers in a socialist society, um, but it's funny too because then, like, he talks about—is uh, it British Parliament? as being like a dictatorship because yeah. it just does whatever this the fuck was, this it wants. This is one of the portions
1: that was most interesting to me. If you like, I mean, you could just use, you you could use different words in a modern context mm-hmm. or you could use the word dictatorship if you wanted to. But if you liberate the word dictatorship from from representing a very specific type of political regime and just say anybody who is endowed with a particular like degree hegemony. of power, a degree of hegemony, of decision-making, um anybody which is seen to be sovereign in the decision-making process kind of thing Mm -hmm. i mean they're talking about the references made to the british parliament in the 19th century and that nobody would have balked at describing it as a dictatorship but i mean even now you like the way that the british parliament functions in the british political system is that it is um sovereign and basically has no checks upon it whatever it votes to do it can do we don't even have a constitution in this country right it's in the it's not even like it's vaguely checked by our constitutional court i suppose now that we have one um but we don't really have a constitution so (laughs) it's not a constitutional court it's a supreme court but like um and i guess it's vaguely checked in some respects by the house of lords although in a lot of ways like the house (laughs) of lords is a check upon the sovereignty of the people kind of thing Um, so it's interesting to look at like, I guess what's interesting about this terminology or this description of this political history uh, is that it, it opens us up to the the possibility of dissecting our present political circumstance in a different way. You can sort of Mm. like look at the ways in which parliament in the UK contemporarily this sovereign body how does it get its like majority like i would say under these circumstances boris johnson is a dictator right Mm. like he has an 80 seat majority in parliament we have no constitutional check upon him he can basically do whatever the hell he wants supplemented by the sort of like grotesquely sycophantic and or otherwise heavily cowed media that we have in this country Mm. like there is no there is no check upon his power, and he can just do whatever the hell he wants and be a catastrophic leader and get away with it kind of yeah. thing um How would you not yeah. want to legitimately describe that as dictatorship right yeah, like,
0: yeah. that's a fantastic yeah. point absolutely um and it is interesting to the extent to which that like Marx and Engels had to use that phraseology basically to like. it's like i don't know it's almost like they're playing like vocabulary chess a little bit with like the blanquists and that they're because again we said that there were so many points where they just gave up on the phrase dictatorship of the proletariat or not gave up on but just didn't talk about it because it wasn't exactly central to what they were talking about um but like because
1: it has no specific content separate from any other piece of terminology
0: exactly yeah exactly exactly um so I don't know. Where is I going with that? Sorry, I guess. I no, 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 no. It's fine. It's just, I guess, like, the point is just, like, it It, it basically just served a different point, which was to um, enlighten people, I suppose, as to, like, this idea that they had that they might not have otherwise uh, described as a dictatorship were it not for maybe for the Blanquius. I don't know if that's actually true or not, but, like, I don't know. It was a way to kind of, like... Use the use the phraseology that had been adopted by the Blanquiists as they were kind of trying to like you know make make putschism the thing baby um, to kind of be, to kind of like you know cow them into like oh no well like here's what we actually mean and here's how you know we have like incentive structures perhaps built into place to make sure that the working class keeps power and that it isn't just like some dude running around or like one party running around running everything um, yeah. I don't know, it's very interesting. So you should actually talk about what Marx and Engels meant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, yeah. like, there is. The, I guess it's a point to be made that um, when the blanquiists or when the word dictatorship might have been used to describe their political agenda, I mean, mm-hmm. we've already talked about what their political agenda was, right? It's quite legitimate in that context to consider the use of the word dictatorship to mean what we might, Contemporary, contemporaneously mean by dictatorship right yeah. like they wanted to install a special body of person who was going to dictate the process kind of thing but they make the point that like dictatorship didn't necessarily mean specifically that it was just in that context that's the way they were using the word dictatorship dictatorship all it meant was the ability to take terms kind of thing yeah. and they make that Hal Draper makes an interesting point that like at that time, it could be seen as a similarly vague piece of terminology as government is, right? Mm. Dictatorships could be democratic or, like, um, putchist, I suppose, just as a government could be democratic, or it could be a, a monarchical government, or it could be yeah. a, a, an imperial government. But, yeah, they make the interesting point, How Draper makes the interesting point that... Um, and this is interesting coming back to, like, the idea of Marx and Engels like using terminology, this piece of terminology is being used in very specific contexts mm. to facilitate very specific debates, but also more importantly to um, more effectively propagandize ideas, right? Yeah. Um if the I suppose it's worth saying that for Marx and Engels, like the dictatorship to the proletariat is a piece of terminology that is almost synonymous with working class government or proletarian power or proletarian government or like working class or proletarian sovereignty or mm. uh, class power. The reason why they start using this phrase, dictatorship the proletariat, when they're talking about... Basically, whenever they come into contact with uh, Blanquist regularly, <laughs> whether it's after 1848... Or in the aftermath of 1871, when there were lots of refugees from the Paris Commune who end up in London kind of thing, Marx starts to use this term dictatorship of the proletariat because what he's trying to do is introduce or propagandized to people who might be fans of the Blanquist kind of like conception of dictatorship. To say, no, no, Mm. it's not a dictatorship of a political elite. It's the dictatorship of the class as a whole. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, It's the dictatorship of the proletariat in its entirety.
0: It's almost like the emphasis has been swapped. Where it's like, instead of, like, now, it's like the dictatorship of the proletariat. Then they're like, it's the dictatorship of the proletariat. (laughs) (laughs) Blanquiists owned.
1: (laughs) Um, How Draper keeps... Focusing on and criticizing various kind of like Marxologists of, of his contemporary areas so or of the twentieth century kind of thing. Um and he keeps the said Marxologists would or a certain subset of them would note that Marx always used the phrase dictatorship of the proletariat in a discourse and dialogue with blanquism. Mm. Blanquiism. <laughs> and said marxologist was always taken away take from that the fact that oh here we go clear evidence that marx was secretly a blancist (laughs) putchist and it's no wonder that marxism ended up being what it became in the 20th century because there here it is the seeds of it in in marx's own writing is marx's own hand kind of thing what what this this uh or idea of putting The phrase "dictatorship of the proletariat" in its specific propagandistic context is to say, no, no, no. It's the the opposite is true. It's not that Marx was a secret Blanquist, but like Marx wanted to subvert the ideas of the Blanquists and bring them closer to uh, the light. The light, I suppose, (laughs) to uh, to a Marxist understanding, but like to the idea that Marxism, or rather, the working class movement, when combined with socialism. Ought result in a workers movement which was deeply and uh, fully democratic and majoritarian mm. and concerned fundamentally with building a building up political power but also building and advocating for a political system in which the views and the desires of the proletarian mass could be most faithfully represented yeah yeah um, yeah, rather than else. having somebody have to dictate what socialism would be. Exactly. Socialism could well up from below.
0: Yeah. Well, and just work. in a practical sense, it's like, oh, how much better would it be if the class could sort out what is in the class's best interest as opposed to someone being like, uh, this? <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, it's funny. You You get a very interesting view. We were talking about this. You get a very interesting view of Marx as a person in this essay of, like, someone who was, like, very concerned and would put in the work to, like... Like, Draper kind of makes it seem like he put a lot of these Blanquists under his wing to like really convince
1: them. That yeah, like, it's a very like nurturing. Yeah, aspect, it is. It? A, I was saying that I came away from it very sympathetic toward Marx yeah. more than I had been before kind of thing. And when we were talking about it off mic, I sort of settled on the idea that he comes across as very like morally virtuous, you yeah. know, like yeah. there are all these people in the working class movement trying to set themselves up as mini dictators, whether it's mm. uh, any number of he's or whether it's, <laughs> <laughs> whether it's August, no, whether it's uh, Ferdinand LaSalle, should we say, sure. or we, or he makes reference to the guy in Britain who was mm. head of the social democratic federation, Heinemann or whatever, mm. like working class leaders who thought they were going to, oh, fucking Proudhon, yeah. <laughs> yeah. working class leaders who thought they were going to set themselves up as the, the dictators of the, of the post revolutionary world kind of thing. Mm. Um, and Marx was aghast at that idea yeah well it's interesting too. and it's also, sorry and it also I guess puts in context Marx is like taking Marx to be a know-it-all mm. like sure. seeing what it was that he was trying to rebuke and rebut like you can kind of forgive him for coming across as a bit of a like yeah. stuck in the mode kind of thing yeah <laughs> seeing how things wound up oh um, yeah. yeah
0: absolutely and it's funny because like yeah you get the like m- virtuous Marx from this but you also get like a very like it's 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 fascinating in, in a sense of like a strategic sense because it's like, wow, look at where a lot of these movements were. Whether it was like obviously it was dead by Erfurt, but like look at uh, the Gotha program or look at you know obviously like all of these goddamn Blanquists coming across the from across the goddamn channel, and you know it's it still just was like eh, this isn't going to work out well if we do that. And so yeah. even though there was all this energy, specifically I'm thinking of like the Gotha program itself, even though there was all this energy behind this like working class movement he was still able to be like, guys, no, I'm not going to put my name on this. What the hell? Absolutely not. I think that's interesting in like a strategic sense. Maybe it was like more of just a know-it-all thing. Um, but yeah, it's just very interesting. I don't know.
1: I guess there's a reference, this, this chimes very heavily with this view of Marx that we've sort of tried to construct many, mm-hmm. many, many episodes ago in terms of uh, marks in relationship to the auxiliary statement ah. we, we have the Marx here who is committed <laughs> to his fundamental laws mm. and there's also the Marx who is very deeply engaged in political context and very yeah. willing to move in certain directions ready to read the world as it is not the way he wants the political world to be but at the same time is very specifically fixated on what the goal is. Yeah. And if we let certain corruptions into our theoretical thinking, it's really going to put mm. us off track. Yeah. That's why there have to be all these corrections made to the, the Goethe program, which to some extent seem like pigheaded, I yeah. suppose, yeah. or it's exactly the same reason why Engels decides to get so heavily involved in the debates around the Earth program in the early 1890s. Mm. Um, even though nobody quieting. wanted it yeah nobody yeah. <laughs> they're like stop yeah yeah, yeah yeah but yeah but engels for the end of his life seemed to be very much almost excommunicated from the mm. german social democratic movements yeah. because of the degree of stink that he caused around the Erfurt program and around uh, the efforts he made to get the critique of the gotha program published um, mm. to reveal quite how critical marx was of Fernand LaSalle, something that <laughs> hadn't been known at the time, um, to have the audacity to demand that the party ought to put in its political program a demand for the institution of a republic in Germany. Got yeah. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then after his death, Engels' sort of legacy is corrupted by those people who survive him who suggest that he became much more reformist towards the end of his life, Mm. became much more committed to uh, constitutional as opposed to anti-constitutional politics, by which I mean operating within rather than against the formal political structures of the German state, you know, kind of thing. Mm. um, It's quite nice to have Engels put in a context of being a radical and a revolutionary up till the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's that great moment at the end where they this essay ends on Plakonov coming to talk to uh, Engels. I imagine Engels is like this tiny little old dude and it's like mm. a very dramatic passing of the torch that kind of gets fucked up. Um, but <laughs> it's, ju- it's just really interesting because like Engels asks him, like he's listening to him and he's hearing him talk about like, oh, so you're a Marxist. Uh, you're talking about social democracy, huh? What does that mean? And Engels asks him like, um, so what do you think the phrase dictatorship of the proletariat means? And he basically just says, you know, something about the party and about like, you know, basically like what Draper would probably be like is a little socialism from above. Um and Engels is just kind of like, that'll never work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very it's very chilling. Because you and obviously... it, suge- it
1: suggested that like both Plakanov and the person who is mm. from whose memoirs that Draper is quoting, so it's somebody else who was in the room to witness this interaction. Draper seems to suggest that both of those two basically didn't understand what Engels was telling them. Yeah, I know, <laughs> like okay. they basically thought that Engels was okay with their ideas and and outside <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. And actually Engels was just like, like, no, this is, this is bullshit. Yeah. Well
0: that just speaks to like that mindset of like, oh, it's a class dictatorship. Yeah, exactly. We form a party and then the party does things. And yeah. it's, it's interesting. It's right. Like it's interesting because in fundamental principles, they make the point where they're like, yeah, you know, you could have like a successful party dictatorship maybe, but like, and not if it gets stuck halfway and for them halfway means like not implementing uh social production time or whatever like at you know the socially average working hour as like the new unit of account
1: um but yeah they're like you can have dictatorship of the proletariat or you can yeah. have dictatorship over the proletariat yeah. for the proletariat
0: <laughs> they're like yes i wonder what language they were speaking probably german, german yeah 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 <laughs> It was just a mistranslation, I assume. Mm-hmm. But then, anyway, Draper goes on to basically be like, yes. And from there, you see the she- seeds of, like, obviously, like the Mensheviks and then just, like, the Russian social democracy movement in general. Um, possibly just through a misunderstanding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: That, yeah. It's yeah, just yeah. like, uh. yeah. It's quite, yeah. It was it's interesting that, like, I don't know how much I agree with the idea that um, Lenin took the idea of the. Um, dictatorship of the proletariat and corrupted it in a sort mm. of Blanchist yeah. fashion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you, I guess if you read like State and Revolution, you come away with the idea that he was very much like understood the Marxist interpretation of what that mm. meant. I don't know whether you look at other parts of his canon or whether you look at the actual deeds that he did I think and that. come away with a different perspective. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's interesting to see Draper um, set the narrative on a different footing by suggesting that this isn't an invention of Lenin's. Exactly, like, yeah. Lenin gets it from Plakhanov and Plakhanov gets it from this, like, uh, misunderstanding in this interpret in this interaction. I suppose.
0: Yeah, I like I like imagining that like Plokanov's like, oh, all right, cool, so we agree with each other, and Engels is just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like how many times have I had this goddamn
1: conversation? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, 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 yeah. The, like, the wilder the wild, uh, dreaming revolutionary comes to yeah. sort of kneel at the altar of Engels, yeah, exactly. and it's just like fucking with kids God, damn it.
0: <laughs> um yeah it, it's definitely worth i think talking about too just like the thing that angles is uh points to as being like there it is the dictatorship of the proletariat mm. mark as well obviously but um I, talking about the the paris commune and it's interesting because I was, i've been thinking a lot about the paris commune since there's the chapter on the dictatorship of the proletariat in fundamental principles from last week um and they come, up, they come up with a bit of an interesting analysis that Draper doesn't seem to, because like in the draper, he basically says that like, this is it. And, you know, you, you get the dictatorship of the proletariat by basically doing what they describe in the uh, fundamental principles book of like <laughs> universal suffrage and everybody's vote counting for like the same thing, but then also like making everybody in this government this, like, new, obviously not the same state, but something that that state is answerable to, um, recallable at any time, and, like, all of these various, like, democratic trappings. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's very interesting because I think just in the Fundamental Principles book, they come away by basically just saying, but you probably couldn't do the Paris Commune now. Like, that wouldn't be a very viable strategy to get things done, even though there's some great ideas in there, and it's really, really fascinating. Um yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's yeah, it's very interesting. I, I never really know what to make of the Paris Commune, and maybe it's it's just something that is able to be kind of held on a pedestal just because of how short of an amount of time it was around, and we can all say, like, wow, that would have been great if they had done X, or, you know, wow, that would have been great if they had prepared for war or something like that. Um, maybe that's just needing to read more about it or something like that, but I don't know. Maybe I'll just take away the idea that like it is very funny that like universal suffrage. There it is, the dictatorship of the proletariat. We did it. Um, not not implying that like we have universal suffrage or anything like that, but like yeah, it's classic.
1: Yeah, to to for my part to drift back into the sort of like uh, Marxology for a minute. Like one of the things Draper says is that basically in Marx's immediate writings about the Paris Commune, mm. he doesn't talk about the dictatorship of the proletariat at all. He just talks about how. Glorious a democratic experiment, this is, and how it's representative of what a worker state might look like, kind of thing, whether what it is the ultimate um expression of the politics he wishes to endorse. Mm. Um and then either later on that year or the next year or something, there is a banquet to celebrate an anniversary of the founding of the First International, and he is asked to give this short speech, and the speech that he gives now because London is now full of all those Blanquists <laughs> kind of thing, it's in that speech that he describes the Paris Commune as being mm. representative of the dictatorship of the proletariat mm. uh, after having celebrated its, like, um, sort of democratic credentials. And one of the things that's demonstrated there is that, like, once again, coming back to this idea that the word dictatorship didn't really mean very much mm. in any specific context kind of thing. Um and it means that Marx didn't mean anything specific by dictatorship. Mm. Um, he could just as easily have talked about democracy. Yeah. Um, and also later on, there's this is made because like, there is this very famous quote from Engels where Engels talks about what you just said. If you want to see the dictatorship of the proletariat, look at the Paris Commune. Mm. And there's always been this idea that there's this invention. Well... Uh, Draper suggests at the time when he was writing, or just immediately before it, there was this suggestion that this was an invention of Engels's mm. because people didn't know about the speech that Marx had given very close to the Paris Commune. Uh, now it's known, kind of thing, that we can uh, assert that both Marx and Engels thought that the Paris Commune was an example of the dictatorship of the proletariat, but you could just as easily describe it as a worker state or, like, yeah. uh, I don't know, proletarian democracy or. I don't know an assertion of proletarian power or uh, yeah, yeah it's class only... domination of the proletariat over the yeah I think Bush something he, more like or...
0: that because yeah. it almost like if you take it to just mean dictatorship to just mean hegemony it's like I don't want uh-huh. that it's like the like other class was just like five miles away preparing an army and then when they were ready they came in and killed everybody sure but like while the municipal yeah, functions yeah, yeah. of Paris did fall to these people yes there was like within the little city walls or whatever like it, uh, there was hegemony there yeah, yeah but yeah. um I, yeah I, I don't think that really means anything other yeah, than yeah, yeah. that it didn't
1: work yeah but the other thing it, it it makes me think about is um this or these kind of this these terminology or these ideas how they impact or influence um or they might impact or influence our thinking about political strategy political mm. thinking how politics is much more a game of political power than it is implementing the perfect scenario, you know, or like, yeah, uh, it's, it, the, the, the business of class struggle is a messy one Mm. and the process of, uh, gaining hegemony is like complicated, but I guess the time will come where the power of it ideally If a working class revolution is to be achieved, if a transformation of the mode of production by the working class is to be undertaken, you've got to get to a point where power can be held so thoroughly that you're able to dictate terms. Yeah. Yeah. um, And to set the agenda.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, again, our reading from last week, simply and to the point was just one, basically just like one very dictating one very specific thing, which is getting everybody to use the socially average working hour mm-hmm.
1: um and also but yeah and also that in that book they do refer to the idea that a certain amount of force and power may have sure. to be implemented well yeah with a view to setting up the democratic system that would allow for mm. their system to play out i suppose mm. um there is this thing that comes up several times this idea that somebody has to take the legitimacy of a revolution, carry its mantle, and put in place the new political system that will allow for um, its completion, I suppose, that will fulfill the aims of the revolution. Mm. So there's definitely a period whereby... um, sovereignty is contested where legitimacy is contested where it has to be claimed and a kind of like being the legitimate representative of a popular sentiment has to be asserted and won, I suppose. Um, This is almost brings us all the way back to the idea of a state of exception, right? You're in a momentary state of exception. It's sort of like there is some contingency around who's going to wield political power. Um, I mean, in reference to Marx's uh, views on the 1848 revolution, he's like, I don't mind that these certain, whoever it was, certain people were given dictatorial power. But the problem was, in his fundamental critique of the, the German bourgeoisie at the time, was that they were not um, uh, willing to implement the democratic structure that was so clearly um, what was being demanded by the revolution kind of thing. And that was how, for Marx at that time, the dictators of that revolution failed in their effort to dictate the situation kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's also like, to a certain extent too, you can also just be like, again, this phrase means everything and nothing because it's like, okay, you can have five people who accept that, you know, a class dictatorship is what needs to happen. But it's like, okay, what does that mean? You know what I mean? So I guess that's perhaps why they pointed to the Paris Commune as well as just being like, Here's the thing, you know, because, like, you could easily make the point unlike like, a lot of things in history where you could just be like, yes, this was directly responsible to the people. Here's why. Here's how they did that. Blah, 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 blah. That was a class acting um, on its own. Who knows what would have happened in a year or two years, mm. ten years, a mm. hundred years. Mm-hmm. Um, but for that moment, there it is. There's a dictatorship with proletariat. So it's like, yeah, I suppose you can make an argument, as it seems like Volkanov, kind of when it's, like, nodding along when Engels was like, you're wrong, Um Made the point that, like, yeah, the dictatorship of the class is what we're trying to do. And you know you can completely forgive them for thinking that, and uh, you understand you know why some people would consider like a party dictatorship to also just be a class dictatorship. Mm-hmm. But it is like really trying to pin down and define what that actually means mm-hmm. and in a way that like you can make it mean whatever you want. yeah,
1: it's what we've thought of. we've talked about before in terms of substitutism, right? Like mm-hmm. this is the party substitution It's exactly, for yeah. the, the class kind of thing, yeah
0: having um, classes
1: hmm.
0: why is it so easily done now Dan why is it so easily done now but why is it so, so easily done now a class dictatorship why is it so easily why is it oh I see what wise. you mean
1: why do they get away with it like god yeah, yeah, we live it? in a class dictatorship I want to be on the
0: cool plane
1: <laughs> 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 but don't you watch that don't you watch this place space plane fall off the other plane and be like <laughs> Is the rocket going to turn on though? It would be hilarious. If it didn't. It <laughs>
0: and I will say, there's uh, there's not a chance in hell. Actually, I would actually literally want to be on that plane. I would yeah. like anyone to have the opportunity to be on that plane. Me myself, I don't like buildings over like three stories. So, okay, I'm all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we did we did bring up too right before this, like the. Um, the theory of uh, the emergence of capitalism that we've been bandying about ever since episode three and four or whatever it was. Um,
1: a theory. <laughs> a
0: theory. Well, yeah, the one we've been bandying about. Like, as and, and like how that relates to this idea of the dictatorship of the proletariat and like how you could easily see that transitional phase out of feudalism. Um as being one of a dictatorship of a class as well, and one where, you know, as we're definitely still in, but, like, harsh terms needed to be provided for by that class in that specific time to make this new productive mode happen. Um, obviously, whether or not that was, like, on purpose for, like, a, you know, group of dudes to be like, let's do this new productive mode or not, or whether it was just, like, the imperatives of, the mar- like, the growing market, the emerging market, um, it was interesting just to draw parallels because it wasn't easy, um, and you see to this day large and bloody struggles to continue it um and I, I don't I don't really know what parallels are to be drawn from that if any other than um, a lot of work mm. and um, you can it's interesting to see people kind of act in these large historical cycles I suppose mm. um, and perhaps draw parallels
1: yeah something's just occurred to me that I hadn't thought about before which is that if you look at the sort of like Meeks's wood Brenner thesis mm. of the transition from feudalism to capitalism, there is an extent to which the ruling class of one initially becomes the ruling class of the other. Right? Mm. It's like it's the same ruling class that decides to extract rents rather than uh, collect feudal tithes or whatever, or fe- uh, feudal Jews or something. Mm. Um, I don't know. That's sort of complicates <laughs> itself. Yeah. Some extent. Um.
0: Certainly. Certainly. Uh, includes them. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there,
1: there, there is a, yeah, I suppose there's a new class. Well, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. What happens is like certain tenant farmers become agricultural capitalists as they outcompete other tenant farmers who then go out of business and become the new uh, working class, the new sort of mm. agricultural working class kind of thing. But what we were talking about beforehand was the degree to which, under, in that circumstance, it's so much of it is, um, People are subject to the logic of the new economic model rather than... I mean, they're also subject to direct political power of the working class, but there's an extent to which it's being um, forced to operate within market logics and the new sort of like profiteering mindset of capitalism, uh, which forces people to sort of go through this transition and come out the other side some form of capitalist subject whether it's proletarian or capitalist um and there's parallels with that and the model that was being presented in the fundamental principles right when they're talking about the dictatorship is the requirement to yeah exactly operate with the model or be outside of it kind of mm. thing yeah know. so is it, i guess there's always a degree to which the dictatorship is economic and not political although mm. there is a portion which is economic and a portion which is political Which and how do the two intersect and whether they should be kept separate or whether they should intersect or whether we have any control. Whether of we it have at any all. control over any of this. Stuff. Yeah. Am I blankies? No. <laughs>
0: I will say it was also very funny the bits where Bakunin got bought up as just being like, "What was this guy on? Mm. Like he was on his own thing. He was like blankiism. Let me raise you.
1: <laughs>
0: it's like, oh my god, what about a secret uh, little
1: yeah, cohort? Yeah. 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 And the yeah, yeah, yeah. And the uh, the, uh... The anarchists love to quote that quote that thing from Bakunin <laughs> about his assertion that Marxism was going to lead to some kind of red dictatorship or whatever the phrase oh he my used God. but it uh, really? may, may may seem apt as mm. time has developed under a certain <laughs> reading of history, but uh, in the context of what he was up to at the time and what mm. Marx was up to at the time is not a particularly faithful critique, i don't know well is there's it,
0: also like the you know. Well, Bakunin was on the front lines, like, actually fighting people. What was Mark's doing? He was, like, hanging out with penis carbuncles. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's also, like, eh, it's a bit of adventurism. Yeah. It's yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, great. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. I probably wouldn't do that. I mean,
1: yeah, so. I'd rather watch the Bakunin biopic than oh, the Marx sure. biopic. Yeah, but, like, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Someone's got to make that. Yeah, one the day. The Bakunin biopic.
1: Yeah, just, I, I, yeah, I implore you to go and just, like read Bakuna's biography or at least his wikipedia page and just see his exploits and uh, yeah. the degree to which his um he the number of times he escaped death and yeah. uh, the, of the times... circumstances that led him to circumnavigate the globe in an effort the to of escape times... the the recriminations of uh, the bourgeoisie
0: yeah the number of times seemingly all his teeth fell out Teeth fell out in a Russian prison. Then he went to California, and his teeth fell out. Then he went around the horn, and his teeth fell out again. And then he showed up on someone's doorstep, teeth in his hands, and threw them at him. Um, yeah, interesting fellow. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what was what was the point in talking about that. I guess it's funny, right? Because I was just I was very interested when you brought this up to like expand on the discussion that was in the Fundamental Principles. But this kind of, which this definitely did, and it definitely like cleared Marx's and Engels' um, meaning when they use this phrase a lot. Um, but it's also like, yeah, this is just, you know, whenever someone's like, you're going to do a dictatorship with communism. This is like a really good way to be like, and, you know, I guess that was Draper's whole point when he kind of tied it up with Russian social democracy because everyone, obviously, in his time and still ours. is like communism, Soviet Union, you know, look at that. And this was like his way of kind of drawing a thread between an argument Marx was having and trying to argue against and what wound up happening with the Soviet Union, which is interesting, and just socialism in general in the 20th century. Um yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think for me there's a great benefit in reading this alongside the first Hal Draper reading that we did mm, on sure. socialism from above socialism from below. It's a different way of looking at or a different collection of evidence to support the idea that Marx supported socialism as something that was fundamentally done by the working class, not done to them. Yeah. Um, mm. But there's still a great degree of, I think we were talking about this beforehand, maybe we can end on it, because like, I don't know whether we have any answers. There's still <laughs> a great degree of um, ambiguity for me about what Marx actually meant by... Um, I don't know, a worker state or. Uh, sure, yeah. Like. Okay, the Paris Commune, yeah, but <laughs> uh, as you were saying, it was a month and it, didn't, yeah. it didn't, didn't go particularly well by the end, kind of thing. Yeah. um But maybe in a lot of ways, like. The fundamental principles fills in some of that space but then Mm -hmm. maybe i don't know does that mean we have to be council communists i mean it fills
0: in like a bit of the space towards the end of the timeline you know what i mean like it's not the end of the timeline because you're not just describing what communism is it's another step in like how do you get to full communism Mm -hmm. but it's like okay well there's also where we are now and when you can be in the position to do social like average working hour unit yeah we still don't really have the politics right yeah
1: And uh, we don't have the roadmap to how that politics is before. But then politics is an open and ongoing thing, I suppose. So, like, that is the stuff that's supposed to be filled in. And clearly, I think Marx and Engels thought it would be filled in by history. Mm. And I suppose history has let us down thus far. God
0: damn it, history. Also, like, to be fair, though, I was also like... For some reason, just in my head, I was like, man, they're talking about this 200 years ago. And this isn't a big difference, but I was like, "Oh, was only like 150 years ago. Because, you know, you like to think that it's like this big slog from Marx where nothing has happened. There were failures and great triumphs and then more failures, and it's all sucked. And now we've gotten to this point where it's like, is there even a point in trying to do this stuff anymore? But it's like... That's not that long ago. (laughs) You know, it's really not that long ago at all. A lot has changed, obviously. But, like, man. I mean, if
1: you consider it in in the context of, like, the entire history of the human species on this planet. But even,
0: like, your great-grandfather, you know what I mean? It's like, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah, I mean, there is an extent to which these things are still being worked out. The the bourgeois revolution is still being, working itself out. yeah. I, I mean, you have to look at this fucking country to see <laughs> yeah. the degree to which the bourgeois revolution has not worked itself out. Yeah. Um, I doubt that it ever will, really. One of we, these might, <laughs> we might we might, have to have the proletarian revolution fulfill the, <laughs> the, the failings of the bourgeois revolution. Yeah, Bourgeoisie exactly. have failed the in Queen their world it. historic duty of riding goods of aristocratic landlords and... One of these
0: days, I'd like to really nail down what the Queen actually can do, because you seem to get two different answers. Where it's like she does nothing, she just sits there, and then it's like, oh, is she could do this if she mm-hmm. wanted. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I'd like to know.
1: The Queen has sovereignty, and she gives it to Parliament in its entirety. And yeah, but Parliament if there, gives it to Boris Johnson. But if, <laughs> but if there ever was Johnson a point, Boris Johnson is a great dictator.
0: Yeah, if there ever was a point though, where someone would question that, that whole you know giving of sovereignty or whatever, like. Who in their right mind would side with the queen and who in their right mind would side with, like, the next guy? Because, oh, my God, I saw him, uh, you know, when England lost the football, they cut to him. And he just looked like such a loser. But I guess uh, bigger losers have been sided with in the name of bourgeois democracy, I suppose. So I don't know. Who knows? Whatever. Um, the queen. She'll do socialism.
1: Godspeed to the Queen, I guess.
0: Godspeed to the Queen. God save the Queen. Um, All right. Uh, That was 39. Look at that.
1: Yeah. 39.
0: Yeah. Uh, Pretty
1: good. Pretty good. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. I've enjoyed doing it. Thank you, Jack.
0: Thank you, Dan. Did we actually, it was 31, Um, Hal Draper as well. No. Something like that. Yeah, maybe it it was. We'll say that it was. How cool. Wow, we've come full circle.
1: Yeah, bookended. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. As I say, we'll try and start mixing it up a bit more. Yeah. I think going forward.
0: I mean, that's the thing, right? It's like what we're interested in. Like, because this was like, oh, let's talk more about the dictatorship of the proletariat. We ended on that in our last reading. Let's talk a bit more about it. So it's like mixing it up, but also like, yeah, it's a coherent train of thought.
1: Sure. Yeah. And we yeah, like and, it, that, right? I mean,. Um... The listener should they choose to listen to more than one episode or so several in succession, like he's on a journey with us. Yeah, like we're just we're just educating ourselves and trying to work it out, yeah. and uh, hopefully somebody gets some benefit benefit from it somewhere out there. Yeah, I mean, let us know.
0: Yeah, if you have any suggestions too, by all means, by all means. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll just wind up reading about the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Alright, well that was great. We'll be back next week, uh of course. And it'll be excellent. And uh pick and take us out. <laughs>
1: Thanks everybody for listening. It's been a pleasure once again. You've been listening to a Philly recitement. So <laughs>